The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Today's scripture is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. If you're using the Black Bibles in front of you, this is page 848. And when you are ready, would you stand as I read from the Word of God? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, not, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You may be seated. Thanks, Michelle. Good morning. Welcome to the uh, last Sunday of 2021. You made it. Okay, so uh, that, that, is, that is something to celebrate, right? We, we, made, we made it through one more year. So uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, many of you may not know um, that uh, I'm one of your missionaries. And so uh, what do I mean by that? So I work for the North American Mission Board, uh, part of the SEND network. And so that's the church planning arm of um, the Southern Baptist. And so uh, that's one of the things that your global mission offering that we've been working on together goes to. And so, uh, so my main job is I travel all over the country. Uh, so through the week, um, people are like, hey, where are you this week? And I'll be here, there, everywhere, uh, helping train uh, men to train our church planters to start new churches. And so this past year, uh, we saw over 600 new churches get started as a result of the work that local churches like Delta did in cooperation with our missionaries. Um, and so that was a that's, a that's a pretty big deal for us. So so training and coaching is kind of what I do. So um, and then uh, I bring the last message of every year. So that's kind of another annual tradition that has developed uh, with me. I don't know how it fell to me. I guess it was just one year is like I'm the only guy around. And so I was like, hey, Charles, can you cover the last Sunday of the year while everybody else goes and hangs out with their family. So yeah, I can do that. So, um, so I say all that to say that uh, you're going to get a little bit of a non-traditional message this morning. So I was talking to John Kleinschmidt coming in and uh, he was talking with one of his boys this morning. He's like, do you think Charles is going to have a whiteboard? Because he always does something different. I was like, well, there it is. So yes. So yes, Will, we will be, we will be interacting this morning. Okay. So, uh, uh, so it's, uh, there, there, it's that trainer part of me that's coming out. So in fact, what I want us to do is I want us to think about um, I want us to reflect uh, on this past year, and I want us to ask ourselves, what are some things, what are some things from 2021, uh, and this is, by the way, it's participatory, this is not rhetorical, all right? 
So um, what are some things in 2021 that we can celebrate? Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something for us as a church. What are some, what are some things that, that as you look back on 2021 that you're celebrating? You, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? Just, just start talking. Ah, there we go. There we go. That's definitely something to celebrate, Megan. Got married. I love it. I love it. I saw another hand. What else? Somebody else. Was it Danny? Danny, did you raise your hand? No, I didn't. Okay, what are you celebrating? Planting new churches. I love that. There we go. We actually have had a couple of families in this past year go out from our church and have started or in the process of starting some new churches. You may not be aware of that. What else? Second, second row, a new grandbaby. Thank you. Thank you. We'll take that. We got a new grandbaby this year. Anybody else get a new grandbaby this year? Any new babies this year? I know. There you go. Happies, Waddells, Points. There we go. Some new babies. Yes, sir. Back there in the vest. Learning about plants. Okay. Somebody else. Yes, Danny. Baseball season, okay, there we go. You got something fun. That's right, baseball season. Love it. Somebody else? Yes, ma'am. There we go. That's a lot. That's a lot. New gym. That's right, new friends, new church. Love it. I got a little more space left. What else? New neighbors. New neighbors. That's right. Somebody else? Homeschool. Homeschool. Yes. <laughs> Who, who's losing? Oh, the Dodgers losing. Okay. John? Okay, cool. Okay, let's see. So, homeschool, Dodgers lost, major family repair. That's so good. I'm just going to keep this up in front of us. There's other things we could be celebrating as a church this year. We saw, we saw new people come to faith. We saw baptisms. We saw some of them were our children. Some of them were adults. Um, we saw restoration happen in relationships. Uh, we saw new families come and join us. We sent out families uh, that we will greatly miss, but they are reengaging in the communities that they're in, taking the gospel to the new places that, they're, that they are. Here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to grab, if you've got a uh, pencil, pen, piece of paper, or, your, or notes in your, in your phone or your other device, and uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and it's not, it's not our main text for this morning, but it, it, it helps us think about the end result. So I'm going I'm to begin with the end in mind, okay? 
Uh, and so, by the way, if you're taking notes this morning, the overall message for today, we're from in John chapter 15, is lessons from the orchard. Okay, lessons from the orchard is 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 the theme of the message today. But I want to go to John uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and I just want to read these verses to us. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, somewhere in your notes, on a piece of paper, in your phone, I want you to just take a few minutes. This is rhetorical, okay? This is not the shout-out portion. Um, and I just want you to think through that list that you just heard me read from the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to read it to you one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What are the ways that you saw that fruit born in your life this year? What are the ways that you saw the evidence of that fruit right there reflected in your life this year? Okay? Just, just take a second. Um, and uh, if, if I were in the training room right now, I'd put on some quiet music so there wouldn't be this awkward silence. But I'm just going give to give you, give you 30, 30, 40 seconds. And just write down some practical examples of how did you see what are the ways that you saw God grow you in love, in joy? How is his peace, how is his peace more evidenced in your life this year than maybe the year before, or maybe then five years ago? What about patience or kindness? Or goodness? What were the ways that your life reflected goodness this year because of the Father's work in you, because of the Spirit moving in your life? What about faithfulness? Gentleness? Or self-control? Here's where we're going to go this morning. That... We're going to come back to that passage at the end. But I just wanted you to have those things in mind when we talk about this idea of fruit and fruitfulness. Now I want us to go back over to our passage in John chapter 15. And I want us just to begin to work our way down through the passage as we talk about this idea of the vine, the vine dresser, and the branch. So we've got three we got. We got three players. We got three characters in this story. We have the vine represented by Jesus. We have the vine dresser represented by the Father. And we have the branches represented by us. So as we look at verses two and three, I'll read those verses to you again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So the 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 main idea is here is faithful followers abide resulting in more fruit. Faithful followers abide resulting in more fruit. So at the end, at, at the end of this passage, at the end of this um, time together, the end goal is what, what does it look like to be a more fruitful follower of Jesus? 
What does that look like? Where does God take us so that we get there? So the first thing is, first thing is this. Verses 2 and 3, what I want you to see is faithful followers. That's the main idea. So the first point is pruning is essential. Pruning is essential. As many of you guys know, if not everyone in this room doesn't already know, the Campbells have started an orchard, okay? Um, and, is, and it has become very practical lessons for us, um, but it also has a lot of spiritual implications in our life. So three years ago, we planted what we call the original 12, okay? So uh, we weren't thinking biblical at that point. We were just bought 12 trees to start with, and then we just started calling them the original 12, and I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Uh, by the way, all 12 are still alive, so we didn't have, a, we don't have a Judas tree, okay? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so all 12, all 12 are, are there, and, they're, and, and, um, and, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But one of the things we, we've learned in the um, orchard process is that if you want good, healthy trees, there is an annual process that every tree goes through if it's under the care of a good orchardist, and that's pruning. So I brought some tools with me this morning. Um, sometimes the pruning process, especially on a young, brand new tree, only requires the, the, the small little pruning shears. But if you want that tree to, to look like it needs to look, um, you have to go out there and you have to begin shaping it from, from the very, very beginning. When you get, when you get a brand new tree, um, for those of you who don't know, you don't actually grow a tree from seedlings in our orchard. So that happens back like in a nursery. But typically most trees are, are cloned. Um, so you graft a branch into some rootstock and then you get this little stick. It's about this tall, you know. And uh, that first year you might have a few leaves on it and... You're, you're really grateful for those few leaves. You don't do a whole lot to it. But at the end of the season, um, so like right about this time of year, you go out there and you begin to look and go, okay, are there any branches that need to go? Um, if we want that tree to look and be like it needs to be the following year, we have to start cutting some things off. And as an orchardist, you're like, ah, but I don't, want, I don't want to because if I cut that branch off, that, that's one branch that's not going to give me any fruit in a few years. You know, um, in fact, some of our trees may just end up looking like a straight stick again because the branches that they've got on them grew below, grew below the rootstock or they grew in ways that just wasn't appropriate. So, so you, have to, you have to begin to prune. Now, our trees that are three years old, um, if you're not careful, those, those branches are beginning to, to cross paths and, and beginning to go in directions that they don't need to go. So you have to cut them back, even if the previous year they gave you a little bit of fruit. And sometimes... These aren't sufficient for those bigger trees. Sometimes you got you to gotta get out the loppers, right? Because the branch is big enough that the little pruner is not going to work. Or if you're dealing with a really mature tree, we have some friends that, that have a really mature tree that hasn't really been touched in a long time and and they've got just some big old branches that just need to go for that tree to, to be healthy and to look like it needs to look. And so I haven't gotten to use this yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know, where you just, you just got to kind of get out the mini saw, right? And you just got to get rid of that big branch. Here's my point in saying all that to us. 
for some of us, the pruning process is going to be that small pruner. We're new. We're little seedlings. We're just learning some things about the Father. We're just learning about how to grow in the faith. But the Father is going to trim and prune. Because remember, the end result is, is more fruit. So this year, that, that area where you saw some growth, the Father may prune that back because he wants to see even more growth this next year, new growth happen where that pruning takes place. We go back to the scripture here. It says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So he's going to cut away things that aren't bearing any fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. For those of us that have been believers longer, there may be some larger pruning that's taking place. Now, that's not in the text. It just simply says he's going to prune away. But if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, there may be some things in your life that have just been kind of left undone for a long time that you haven't dealt with. And this is the year that the Father takes that larger implement because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to see you produce more fruit, that there may be something significant that is pruned away. And that's really painful. Now, I know trees don't have feelings, okay? So we're not going to talk about the feelings of the tree, okay? There's nothing painful for the tree. But for us, that pruning process can be painful. Let's, let's bring it into the context of, of human relationships for a second. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We just got done with Hebrews, and I think this passage helps us think about this in that way. In verses 4 to 11, he says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. We serve a God who loves us so much that he is not going to just allow us to become this wild, out-of-control, undisciplined mess of vines. He is going to prune us. Now, sometimes that pruning or that disciplining process happens because we are living in sin. We are being disobedient children. But also sometimes discipline happens because we're kind of there, but we're not there yet. You know? Um, it's like you, you, almost, you're, you almost got it. 
but let me give you just a little bit of correction here. Let me give you, let, let, me, let me train you a little differently so that there's really good health there. I think, that's, I think that's what we see here in John chapter 15 where he talks about every branch that does bear fruit. There is fruit there, okay? There's something good. But he wants, he wants there to be more. He wants to see more love, more kindness, more peace, more faithfulness, more goodness, more gentleness. He wants us to f- reflect more of who he is. And so he's going to take out whatever tool is necessary and work on us in the ways that are necessary so that we begin to look more like him. So then we look at verse 3 and he says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is a reminder to us. He's beginning to transition us now down into verse 4. We're beginning to, we're going to look at uh, John chapter, John, uh, verses, verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. But this verse 3 is a reminder that the word, the logos, Jesus, if you think John 1, 1, John 1, 4, the word made flesh is in us. Already you've been clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So then he, he transi- transitions us down into verses 4, 5, and 6. And so here's what I want you to put for the second point. So pruning is essential part of the process. But secondly, abiding is the key to the connection. Abiding is the key to the connection. So he says here in verses 4, 5, and 6, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and it withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I love this passage of Scripture. This whole idea of abiding. When you look up, when you, when you look up the word abiding, when you look at the, the word right there, just, it literally means to remain, to stay. To remain, to stay. When you think about a model for that, we see that with Jesus and the Father. So if you think about, um, go, go, back a, go back a chapter and look at John chapter 14. Verse 10. Actually, go to uh, yeah, John chapter 14, verse 10. Jesus says this. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And then look at John chapter 14, verse 17. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it is neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
So we see this idea here that abiding is modeled for us. Jesus has been abiding in the Father. He and the Father are one. They're intimately connected. But he also reminds us that we have that connection through the Holy Spirit being in us. So, when you, when you prune that branch, there's, there's still some life in this, okay? Even though it's not connected to the trunk. There's still actually some, there's, there's several buds along this branch. But this branch is never, absolutely never, going to produce any fruit in its current state. It can't. It's been cut off from the source. It's been disconnected. Even though there's, there, there is still some life in it. But it's never going to produce any fruit. The only way it can produce fruit is if this cyan wood, is what it's called, um, is grafted back into the source, grafted back into the trunk. And then after a while, the buds will turn into leaves or new branches. The leaves will come off those new little branches. And eventually, in a few years, there'll be some fruit that comes off of that. How, how does this happen to us? How do we, how do we come to a place where we find ourselves disconnected from the source. Go back to John chapter 15 for a second. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. How does that happen? I think for most of us, it's a slow drift. It's a slow drift. We just don't remain. As the hymn says, we're prone to wander. We're prone to leave the one we love. James chapter 1 and verse 14 talks about it this way. It talks about we are lured and enticed by whose desires? Our own. We're lured and enticed by our own desires. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. I mean, how often, how often does that thought go through your head? For me, it's daily. There's, there's not a day that doesn't go by in my life that that little thought doesn't enter into my life at some point during the day. Where I'm enticed and lured by my own desire. It's easy for us to see it in our kids, right? For those of us that have kids or grandkids, it's easy to see it for, for us to see it in them because they don't know the art of subtlety yet, all right? <laughs> when they want something and they don't get it, everybody knows about it, right? Okay? Uh, so uh, especially on the Sundays when we don't have kid care, right? So you parents that are like, yes, we know it. The rest of us, we're right there with you. We get it. No big deal, okay? But we know that, right? When somebody's mad, we know about it. 
in our kids. They haven't learned that art of subtle disobedience yet. But James chapter 1, verse 14 goes on to say, it's not just about the luring and the enticing because it doesn't stop there. If the desire is conceived, if the desire is acted upon, it gives birth to sin. And sin fully grown gives birth to death. But that's where it starts. It's that, it, it, it's that enticing and that luring. So let me ask this question. Maybe this is a question for you to write down. Where do you see that pattern beginning to play out in your own life? Where do you see that pattern beginning to play out in your own life? Where you may say something like this. It's not that big a deal. It's not hurting anybody else. Nobody will know. Or it may start out this way. It may start out like, but I deserve fill in the blank. Or your phrase may be, but I wanted to. Or it may start out with, well, it's mine. Don't, don't, don't tell me what to do with mine. Or it might start out this way, which is a really innocent way to look at it because you might actually be doing something good. But you may be saying to the father, I got this. I don't need your help. I got this. I can do this. In fact, I'm going to do this my way because I think my way works better. I'm a pretty strategic thinker, so... I think I can get to point A to point B much quicker than you can get me there. So I'm just going to do that. I think that's how it starts for all of us. This move away from abiding. And John reminds us, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So here's the upside-down thinking of the kingdom of God. The upside-down kingdom of God looks like this. When you're new to the faith, you live a very independent life. As you mature and deepen in your intimacy with the Father, as you grow in your walk with Him, as you begin to look more and more like Him, Guess what gets smaller? Independence. Okay? We are not moving towards a more independent life in the kingdom of God. We are moving towards a greater dependence in the kingdom of God. We are looking to be more deeply embedded into the trunk, into the vine not trying to pull further away from it. That's the upside-down message of the kingdom of God. Greater dependence, less independence. Which goes against the very thinking that's happening outside of the kingdom of God. 
And in some ways, that's a healthy thing, right? In, in, in the physical realm, like our little granddaughter, Rosie, I, I, I don't want her to be in diapers when she's 35. I want her to be able to go to the bathroom by herself and clean up after herself. I want her someday to be able to walk and get from point A to point B, okay? But beyond that idea, we are going to have to fight against this idea of, I got this. I can do my own thing. I can go my own way. We see that in our kids' lives, right? What's, what's the very first word that most children learn? And by the way, it's not dad or mom. It's what? No. <laughs> yeah, there we go, right there. See? We get it. They know that word really well. It's because we're born sinful people. We are born with that independent spirit in us because of the sin of Adam. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. The scripture reminds us, faithful followers have to fight against that and move towards dependence. Because again, we see apart from him, even the best we think we've done apart from him is just rags. But connected to him and with him and through him, even the smallest of things, even the smallest amount of faith bears a hundredfold in the kingdom of God and on this earth. Because again, in verse 6, we, we see the warning. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. There's just nothing good that comes out of not being connected. There's nothing that, there's nothing that is good. There's nothing that comes from not being connected. It's worthless. It's useless. So here's the question. Are you moving towards greater independence? Or are you moving towards greater dependence? Which direction are you going? Because fighting for dependence looks very different. I'm not going to read all of these, but I want you to write them down if you're taking notes. These are just a few. You probably got your own. Fighting for dependence requires a heart that has been humbled by the good news of the gospel. It looks like Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I'm meditating on his word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord in all his ways and he will make your path straight. Do not trust in your ways. Trust in his ways. 
James 1.5, if, any, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. We see these words of truth all throughout, all throughout Scripture. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Think on worthy things. If anything is worthy, think on it. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness will be added unto you. I mean, I mean, I mean Scripture is chocked full of the wisdom we need to live a dependent life. Because if we don't recognize that, apart from the work of Christ in us, apart from the work of Christ on the cross, I'm going to personalize this, okay, because I'm not going to put these on you. I'm going to let you fill in the blank with your own words. But apart from the work of Jesus, apart from the work on the cross, apart from him saving me, I'm a messed up, screwed up, selfish, narcissistic, fake, pursuing guy going after what makes me most comfortable, gives me more success gives me more respect, gives me more pleasure, gives me more security, gives me more approval. Have I hit any of yours yet? So hear this. Abiding, abiding. If you're going, well, Charles, what, what's, what is abiding really look like? What is those verses that I just read? It's, it's meditating on God's Word. It's going to the Father for everything. Dependence, not independence. It starts, with, it starts with something like this. It starts with a recognition that I'm a sinner. I'm going to mess things up on my own. Just recognize that about yourself. If left to your own devices, you're going to screw it up, okay? We're all in that same boat together, okay? No one's excluded from that. Now, it's really easy for, 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 for me because I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm pretty decent at some things. I feel like I bring something to the table sometimes. I mean, I'm that guy that will say, I got this, okay? I'm arrogant enough. I'm prideful enough. I'm confident enough in my own abilities that there are times where I will say to the Father, I've got this. I don't need your help. I can do this. And, so, and somewhere along the way, I screw it up. So we need to recognize that I'm a sinner, I can do nothing on my own. But we don't stop there, okay? We're not martyrs, okay? We're, this is not a victim class, this is not a, oh gosh, I just can't do anything kind of thing. That's not true either. Because we are people saved by Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross. So yes, we recognize that we're sinners. Yes, we recognize that we can't do anything our, on our own because Scripture makes that very clear to us right there in John chapter 15. But Jesus saved us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus saved you, and he now resides in you. And because of his residency in you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can follow, you can obey, you can walk a life that is one that abides in him. You can because of him. Not apart from him, you cannot. But abiding in him, you can. So the last thing as we head to home this morning. 
Point number three, verses 7 to 11, the end result, the end result of all of this is more fruit. That's what John is chasing after in this portion of John chapter 15. It's more fruit. It's to be more like him. It's to look more like the Father. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what does he say? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this is not a name it, claim it, okay? So don't, don't run hard to that. It is, you are now, because you are deeply embedded, you are grafted in, you are rooted in, you are so connected to the vine, you are so connected to the trunk, that what you're asking for is in complete alignment with what the Father wants in your life in that moment in time. You're not asking for all kinds of weird things here and there. You're not asking for just whatever. You're asking for things that are completely aligned with the Father. That's what you're asking for. Which is why John confidently says, and whatever you ask, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this, verse 8, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Guess what comes out of that branch that's so connected and as you're asking, there's more fruit. So go back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23. There's more love, there's more joy, there's more peace, there's more patience, there's more kindness, there's more goodness, there's more faithfulness, there's more gentleness, there's more self-control. Because of this deep abiding that's happening in your life. And it brings him more glory. That's the result of the connection. More glory to the Father. So when the world looks at this little group of believers here and they see just crazy things happening because people are stepping out in faith and they see the, the fruit of the faithfulness of the people here, they're like, man, what is going on there? There's just this little group of people here and they're just... There's just some crazy, amazing things happening. Well, it's the, it's the Father. He's being glorified. Because, see, on my own, there's nothing I can do. I, 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 the, the good that you see in me, it's not me. It's the Father. That's what you see. Because in me, left to my own devices, I got, I, I, I'd have some different motives. Trust me. Trust you. Trust me, I'd have some different motives. I'd have an angle. I just, I just know that about myself. You know, your friendship would be built around what can I get from you? My friendship with you? What, 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 can, I, what, what, what can I get out of this? And, and it might even be a bad thing. It might be good for you too. Left to my own devices, I just, I, I just know that that's, that's how I am. Or left to my own devices... I'm not going to tell you the whole truth. Well, what would you think? That yeah, was pretty good. All the time in my mind, I'm going, man, that was terrible. Gosh, that was terrible. You know? What would you think of those cookies? No, they weren't, they weren't too bad. In my mind, man, those were the worst cookies I've ever eaten in my entire life. You know? And those are just simple, fun, funny things, right? But, but we know that's how we are apart from him. But when you see the good come from me, and it's, and it's coming from a, of a, a deep abiding place with the Father, you're like, man, how, how, did, how did you respond with such 
kindness and gentleness to that person that was berating you right in that moment. If, if, if I'm deeply abiding in my relationship with the Father, it's not because I'm trying to please them. It's because I'm trying to honor the Father. So what you saw me doing right there was Jesus coming through me to that person because by God's grace, I could be in that person's shoes and I could be responding the same way they're responding. And God's mercy has shown upon me and is allowing me to recognize that they need to see him, not me. So God gets the glory. And then in verse 9 and 10 and 11, we see this as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We get this massive love that we see interplayed between Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. We get to be a part of that. Verse 10, we get to be a part of it because we're obedient. That's a part of that abiding. We're living in obedience because we're living in obedience to God's commands. And his joy, his joy that we see in that relationship, it overflows in us and we get it. We, we, get, we get that joy. We get a life that is full of joy. So let me leave you one final picture as we, as we wrap up this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to draw. I'll just draw it for you. If you're taking notes, I want you to Draw an A right in the middle of your paper. And that A just reminds us of that word abiding. And then around the, the outside of the A, just put a P. And then put a G. Then put an F. Some of you may be in a season right now of pruning. Life's just, it's hard. The good things, the good fruit that you were producing this past year, God's trimmed that back. So here's what I want to say to you. Trust the Father. Just trust the Father, okay? If you're in a season of being pruned right now, trust the Father. Because to use the illustration of the tree, if you're one of those branches, you can't see the bigger picture. All you can see is what's right in front of you. And your circumstances are saying to you, do not trust. This is going to hurt. Do not trust. But trust the Father. If that's where you're at. If you're in that season of pruning, trust the Father. If you're in a season of, of growth, if you're growing right now, be patient. Be patient. Because, see, you're not producing any fruit yet. All right? We planted those original 12 three years ago. First year, we saw some leaves. That's all we saw. We saw leaves. Maybe a bud here or there. 
Last year, we got to see pretty little buds and petals, and they fell off. And that was the end of that, and we had leaves. And then the leaves fell off. And now we, all, you know, we just had a bunch of sticks, right? You know? This year, this year, year three, we saw leaves, we saw petals, and then we saw some fruit. On one tree, one apple. That was it. One apple. And it was the last apple to ripen. We guarded that apple with all of our lives, okay? Every day we went out there to check it. We looked at it because we got squirrels. We do have discovered we got a deer or two, but we've, we're, we're figuring that plan out. Uh, John Kleinsmith, you're welcome to come out to the property sometime. So, uh, no, just kidding. During hunting season. Um, we put a bag around that apple. I mean, we guarded it, right? A few of the other trees gave us um, more apples, but not a ton. Three years. Three years. Now, the 24 that we planted, we planted 24 more trees this past fall, this past spring. Guess what? We're not going to see any apples on those trees until Rosie, who's seven months old now, starts kindergarten probably. You know, four to five years. So be, if you're in a season of growing, be patient. If you're in a season of fruit bearing, be a blessing. Be a blessing. We had a lot of people this year go, hey, can we have some of those, those apples? And we're like, well, we don't have enough to share. Um, now, if you happen to be one of the few that came to our house when we were picking an apple that day, we did give you a slice, okay, all right? So I think we had an elder meeting one night, and I, I brought out, I think I, I, I think I had like four or five apples, and we cut them up, and everybody got to do a little taste testing. But not, not enough yet. But we, but we shared a little bit of what we had. But here in a few years, man, it's going to be everybody come on out to the house, all right? Because we're going to have thousands of apples, all right? You heard me right, thousands of apples. If you're in a season of bearing fruit, be a blessing. Share. Man, let the kindness, if, 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 if God is, is growing kindness in you, let that kindness overflow to everyone. Because at the end of the day, who gets the glory for that? It's the Father. And guess what's the result? More kindness to share. But then also recognize that coming out of that season of bearing much fruit, there may be, there will be, not maybe, there will be a continual season of pruning. It's just part of the cycle. As we grow more dependent, we're just going to go through that over and over and over again. So let me leave you with these, these questions as we begin to move into our time of, of just responding. I asked some of these earlier, but I want to remind you of them again. Question number one, I think this is critical. Are you moving towards greater dependence or independence? Are you living inside that gospel grid where I said earlier you recognize you're a sinner? On your own, you can do nothing. But because of Jesus, because he has saved you, and he is residing in you through the Holy Spirit, you can be obedient. That's the gospel grid that you have to rehearse with yourself. Okay? So are you moving more towards more dependence or more independence? Secondly, 
And you may not know this answer yet. It may not be revealed to you yet, but there may be some areas where you recognize this. What areas need pruning for greater growth in 2022? I think it's more than anecdotal. When you pray for patience, guess what's going to happen to you during your day? You're going to be put in situations where you're going to be required to exhibit patience. God's going to give you an opportunity to demonstrate his work in you and for you to live it out. So again, that's where you go back to the gospel grid and you say, you know what? Father, right here in this moment, I recognize if I try to do this on my own strength and my own power, I am going to royally run over this person because they are in my way right now because patience is like right here. But Father, because of who you are and what you're doing in my life right now, I recognize that I need you. I need to be dependent on you so that patience comes out of me, not impatience. That's, that's how that works right there, okay? That literally is the rhythm that that works right there. So where do you need pruning in 2022? And then the last question is, just goes back to the, the, the diagram. What season do you find yourself in general in right now? Because quite honestly, you're, you're, you're probably in all of these all of the time. But there may be one that's more apparent to you right now. So where do you find yourself? So my word to you is, remain. Remain. We heard it in our Hebrew series. We haven't resisted to the point of yet of shedding, of shedding blood. Too often, we step out from underneath the load too quickly instead of just turning the load over to Jesus. Because he reminds us that his burden is light. Okay, if he's the one carrying it. But if we try to get underneath that same load, it will crush us. So be more dependent, abide in him, remain in him, stay in him. Now, if all this has just been flying over your head this morning, if you're just like, man, I don't have a clue what you've been talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about this. It's probably because you don't have a relationship with Jesus to begin with. Like this, this God has not drawn you to himself. And so my prayer to you this morning is, if you sense that the Father is, the Holy Spirit is working and saying, come to me, respond to him. Recognize that you are a sinner and you need a Savior and your only hope is Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to step back to the piano and uh, the band is going to come and join me and we're going to uh, just give you an opportunity to reflect and then respond. Here's, here are the ways that you can respond. First way is this. If you're a believer, if God has drawn you to himself, if you know him, if you are in an abiding relationship with him, if you are connected to him, celebrate that this morning by coming to the table. That's what this is all about. The wafer and the juice is just a reminder of what Jesus has already done for you. His blood shed for you, his body broken for you. So just come and celebrate that. If you're here by yourself, man, join in with some other believers and just take a few minutes and pray together and celebrate what God has done for you.
If you're at a place where you know him, but man, there, there's, just, there's just some stuff going in your life. Maybe before you come to the table, you just spend some time going back to what we did earlier in that season of confession, and you just lay those things at the foot of the cross. If, Father, there's, there's, there's some relationships that are in disrepair that I just need to confess and own my part of that. I need to lay those at your feet. Then come and celebrate. Or maybe there's something else going on in your life where you just need to spend some time quietly reflecting and absorbing God's word, meditating on God's word, being exposed to God's word, and allowing that word to expose the sin that's in your life that you need to confess and then come celebrate. If you're not a believer, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't have that relationship with him, we just ask that you just remain in your seat and quietly reflect on the words that you've heard today. Look at those passages. Ask the Father to save you. If God is drawing you to himself, respond to him, recognizing you're a sinner, you need him. Romans chapter 9 makes it very clear, Romans chapter 9 and 10. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is your opportunity to do that. Let me pray for us, and while I pray, the band's going to come. And then while we play this first part of the song, there's not any words. We're just going to have just music. Come and celebrate if that's appropriate for you. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these reminders from your word. God, that apart from you, we can't do anything. So God, help us to be a people who are becoming more dependent, less independent, resting, trusting, abiding, being obedient children who are meditating on your word and then living that out so that you get the glory. And as a result, there's more fruit that's being born in our lives so that you get the glory so we become more like you. And Father, if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that you will draw them to yourself. You will call them to you, Father, and that they will respond. They will just simply confess, I'm a sinner. I need you, Father. I believe who you are. I believe the work that you've done on the cross. And I want to call you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.